Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to Series 5, Episode 6 of Out With Me, Susie Ruffle. Hello. I hope that you are well. I hope you're having a good week whenever you're listening to this. I'm just recording this on Friday morning before it goes out on the Monday. Uh, as ever, we received loads of lovely messages and emails after last week's episode with Jake Graff. It seemed that lots of people really enjoyed that. Um, I loved that episode, so thank you if you got in touch. Um, please do remember to tweet about it or review it on uh, the podcast apps that's always massively appreciated Uh, sharing it on social media Twitter, Facebook Instagram TikTok, I mean do people share things on TikTok I've got no idea, I've just joined but I'll be honest with you I've got no idea no idea what's going on but if you've got in touch with me I really appreciate it or if you've just listened I really appreciate it you can always get in touch with me personally the email is hello at com. I'm always delighted to hear from you I've got a fantastic episode today I'm really chuffed about uh, today's guest self-esteem who I absolutely love I just think she is so brilliant if you haven't listened to self-esteem's album the most recent one prioritized pleasure I think is just so good and I was so chuffed that Rebecca Taylor who was also known as self-esteem agreed to come on the podcast we had such a great chat Uh, we met up in a little studio in London Uh, we're doing some of the podcasts in person now which is really exciting so I get to meet the people that I'm interviewing which is lovely we had a chat in a basement studio in Soho and I just loved talking to her I think she's brilliant I think she's so interesting and so talented and I love her music and I was just so thrilled that she gave me an hour of her time when she is so busy, so, so, so busy. So I really, really hope that you enjoy the conversation. I'm sure you will. Um, And as ever, I've got some emails to share before we get on with today's episode. Okay, here we go. Hi Susie, I'm glad you're back with series five of the podcast. Your timing is just perfect because I'm stuck at home with COVID. It's the 12th day by now and I've run out of activities to do at home. So listening to the new podcast is distracting me from eating all the junk food I have at home. I'm a nearly 33 year old woman and I'm from Italy. So forgive me if something doesn't sound right in this email. I haven't written anything in English in a long time and my language skills are a bit rusty. Also, the Italian school system sucks when it comes to teaching foreign languages. So please be kind. Okay, before we even start, I'm so impressed that you can write and speak a different language. I can't do anything as clever as that. So 
uh, be kind. I won't be kind. I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. Right back to the email. I've meant to reach out sooner, but I've never found the time to do it. Now I've got plenty of time, so I guess I have no excuse. Listening to this podcast lately, it's triggered many feelings inside of me. I suspect that writing this email is going to require a lot of thinking that I'm not exactly looking forward to doing, but I guess I'm doing it anyway. I've been trying to remember when I realised I liked girls. I was probably 17, 18, and if I'm being completely honest, there might have been some clues before that. There was a girl in middle school that I was friends with. She was a classmate of mine, and I remember constantly talking about her, as well as getting upset whenever she didn't pay me enough attention. I was jealous of her in a way that I wasn't jealous of the other girls. I now know this was probably because she felt like more than a friend, but I did not have a chance to dive into those feelings because we ended up attending different high schools and I forgot about her. Besides, I was into boys and back then I stupidly thought that one thing left out the other. At the time, I didn't know much about sexual orientation or gender identity. Diversity was not well represented in the media in my country. Pride was something that happened only in big cities far away from where I lived. And any issue concerning the LGBTQIA plus community was never discussed, neither in my family nor in school. Around the age of 17, it became pretty clear to me that I was attracted to girls. Acknowledging it was easier now that I was older. I had learned that when women liked women, she was a lesbian, so I must have been one of them. But being aware of something doesn't necessarily mean that you're accepting of it. Nevertheless, I thought I had to come out. It wasn't just about getting this huge brand new information off my chest. It was also sort of an ethical impost that pushed me to be honest with people I cared about, like I owed them the truth. I came out to a small group of friends. They were basically my entire universe. I considered them as my best friends as they were all so important to me. But soon after, I wish I had never come out to them. They never said anything strictly or abusive or directly homophobic to me, but homophobia can be subtle and sneaky. Before coming out to them, I was afraid that our relationship would change as a consequence. In my case, nothing seemed to change, though it did feel somehow worse. None of them really addressed my sexuality. It was rarely mentioned. And when it was, it was always awkwardly whispered. None of them ever used the L word. One of them told me that I was, quote, just looking up to girls who had things that I didn't have. That my feeling, according to her, wasn't attraction, but a combination of admiration and jealousy. Because most of the girls were prettier than me. Basically, I wasn't gay, I was ugly. She's a therapist now. I really hope that she does better than she did back then, because even then I struggled to find logic in her words, although I did believe her. Twisted arguments like this one, along with their dismissive attitude, made me think I could not rely on my own feelings. After graduation, I left my hometown, and I thought that moving would help me to leave all my insecurities behind, but unsurprisingly, I carried them with me. Even though I met more accepting and more open-minded people, I wasn't exactly out. Only a few friends knew that I was gay. Most of my friends and family never questioned my sexuality, and I just played along with them. The urge of being honest I had in high school had faded out. I thought that it wasn't up to me coming out to anybody, that people should just stop presuming instead. In the meanwhile, I developed strong feelings for a guy who I was also good friends with. Things between us didn't go well and I ended up feeling really miserable. I hadn't just lost my love interest, I'd lost one of my best friends too. Besides, I had to deal with this new situation now. Did being in love with a man suddenly erase what I had felt for women until then? The answer, of course, was, and still is, no. But somehow I used those feelings as an excuse not to come out. Letting people believe I was straight was convenient, and it was much easier than dealing with those unpleasant and uncomfortable situations when I tried to make people understand that it's possible to fall for guys sometimes, even if you're attracted mostly to women. 
I started to focus on the part of me who liked men, and I decided that coming out as a lesbian did not make any sense to me anymore. So I ended up never mentioning my sexuality to anyone, even those that knew about it. I went back in the closet where I still am. I still hold on to that straight part of me, as small as it might be. Looking back, it was tremendously easy to be stuck in this lie, and slowly, this deceiving reality is starting to feel dangerously uncomfortable. It seems that it's not working out anymore. I started to realise that going back in the closet caused me more damage than I thought it would, and the price that I'm paying to be more socially accepted is too high. I've missed out on so many opportunities that I wouldn't have missed out on if I was out. I keep falling for the wrong people because I was too afraid to admit what I really wanted. Not to mention that more often I felt like an imposter or a phony. I can't help but wondering, carrying on with this fast for such a long time has had a negative impact on other issues in my life that apparently do not concern my sexuality. Like, if I were out, would I be better at my job? Would I be a better friend or sister or daughter? Regardless of the answer, I know now that I want to have a fulfilling and happy life and I have to allow myself to be who I really am, even when it's not convenient. I need to reconcile myself with the girl I used to be when I was 18, the one who craved to show the world who she was, even if she was a little bit scared. She's hiding in there somewhere waiting to be found and I have to give my life the shape it was always supposed to have. It won't be easy at this stage of my life but I have to try at least. I suspect your podcast has played a big role in coming to terms with this. Your guest stories along with the emails you share week by week made me reconsider choices I've made up to this point and let me realise that I have to take a different path from now on. So I guess I owe you a huge thank you Susie. You're doing an excellent job with this podcast and I'm sure it means a lot to many people. One last thing. In episode one of this season, you mentioned becoming a mum. So congratulations to both you and your wife. I wish you all the best. You deserve it. I'm not going to share your name because I know that you're not out to everyone yet. And so maybe you don't want me to do that. But I loved this email. Um, Firstly, your English is phenomenal. Not only is your English perfect, you also write in such a beautiful way. So that's incredible. but I'm sorry that you've had this um, this journey with your sexuality and I think it will resonate with so many listeners. You know, it's sometimes if you have a, a bad response when you first start telling people, it can, it can push you back in the closet for a while. I know that I had a similar thing when I told a friend when, before I, long before I came out properly. And yeah, she sort of pulled this weird face and said something and I sort of went, oh, probably not though, probably not. And it just yeah shoved me back in the closet for a while and sometimes teenage girls can say such hurtful things um and I know exactly what you mean when you said oh I wonder if I'd be better uh, you know at work or be a better daughter or sister or friend if you were you know out and I can only speak from my from my experiences but I know that when I became really settled with who I was. And when I became really accepting of my own sexuality, it made me so much happier that everyone around me could see it. And it made my life so much easier. And I know it's different for different people. I would never tell anybody what to do. Um, But I certainly think having that resolution inside yourself with the comfortableness of who you are can only be a positive thing. Um, But thank you so much for this email. And I am sending you so much love and good wishes to Italy. And I'm delighted that I've got a listener that's in Italy. Maybe I've got more. Who knows? Right, let's have one more before we get on with today's conversation. 
Hi Susie, longtime fan of the pod. I'm so grateful to have found it in the height of lockdown and the height of my sexuality crisis. As a young person, I found myself trapped living with my parents during a time where I felt like I could never leave. Back during the first lockdown, I identified, as I'm sure many other trans men once did, as a lesbian, and I found myself surrounded with a community. It was wonderful to begin with, and everyone was lovely, but something always felt off. I wasn't getting happier like I thought I would after finding my label. With the sudden exposure of such a bold and vibrant community, I quickly became aware of other people under the LGBTQ umbrella, specifically trans people. Of course, I've always been aware of trans folk, but having to stay home all day meant that I had so much more time to explore this community and who I was in relation to it. And it was finding Jake Graff, who was on the podcast last week, amazing documentary that I thought, oh, this is a thing. I can't really explain it, but it sparked something in me. Anyways, skip a couple of months and everything made sense. I am now a confident bisexual trans man, and I'm so grateful I have access to the representation I needed to discover my true self in a way that would have been much more painful if I didn't have the access to this representation. Like Jake said in last week's episode, you can only be yourself if you can see yourself. And I think he was bang on. I never see trans men represented in the media as much as any other minority. And giving them the opportunity to share such an important message and stories is what we need right now more than ever. Thanks so much for having Jake on the pod. It meant the world to me. And thanks for reading this far. If anything, the opportunity to write it has been a much needed cathartic experience above all else. With warmest regards, Robin. If you read this out, name sharing is okay. Well, Robin, thank you so much for getting in touch. I'm so pleased that you enjoyed Jake's episode last week. I think he said so many interesting and important things. And if you're someone that hasn't listened to that episode yet, I highly recommend it. It's such a great conversation, I thought. Does, is that, does that sound braggy if I'm part of the conversation? Um, I don't know, but I thought it was a really great one. And uh, I'm so pleased that it meant so much to you, Robin. And I'm so pleased that you're seeing that representation on this podcast. It's so important that everyone sees themselves, hopefully, um, across the series. You know, obviously not every single series has got the same amount of people from different parts of our community but I hope over the course of the five series you might have seen yourself once or twice in those stories but I also think we can see ourselves in each other's communities as well so hopefully other episodes have resonated with you as well but thank you so much for getting in touch okay let's get on with today's conversation the fantastic Rebecca Taylor who was also known as self-esteem I mean if nothing else you can just hear me fangirling for the next sort of 45 minutes I really hope that you enjoy it um, if you want to get in touch, please do. The email is hello at We seem to be getting lots more listeners, but receiving a lot less emails at the moment. So if you want to get in touch, I'm here. I'm ready. I'm waiting. Um, okay, let's go to that conversation now. Hello, listener. I am so excited for today's conversation because I am a massive fan. Rebecca Lucy Taylor. I mean, I don't know. Why, I don't know whether you use the Lucy, but it's definitely in there on Wikipedia. So that's what I'm going with. Rebecca Lucy Taylor is better known as Self Esteem, whose 2021 album Prioritize Pleasure is currently my most listened to album on Spotify. She's been nominated for a Q Award, NME Award, two Brit Awards, one Artist of the Year for BBC Music Introducing, and the Music Award at the Attitude Awards. I was at the Attitude Awards, and her performance was bloody brilliant. Prioritize Pleasure has received rave reviews. The Guardian, the Sunday Times. 
and Gigsy ranked it one of the best albums of 2021 and The Guardian named I Do This All The Time as the best song of 2021. I am so flattered she's made time to join me today. Welcome to the show, Rebecca. Oh, I love that. I've got goosebumps. Oh, well, it's about you. I know. That's <laughs> oh that's my God, I'm, I'm, like, I'm oh brilliant. God, I'm... <laughs> no, but it is because it's so quick to like, I'm like, no, no, why not me about other people I see? And it's good to remember that. And doing the double at The Guardian, that was cool. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. I mean, I feel like lots and lots of listeners to the pod will be very, very aware of you. But you've been like in the music industry for a long time. Uh huh. It's like 15 years or something now, I think. And how long have you been in it under self esteem? Four. I think. Is that all? Four years. Maybe it's now five. Because that's happened pretty quick. So, uh, 18, 19, 20, 21. She's using her fingers. Yeah. If, anyone, if anyone's trying to push As you can see, scene. this is how good I was on the House of Games. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, um, yeah, four. No, coming up five. Yeah. That and two of those years in a pandemic. Yeah, that's a good point. I should come here more often. This so is making means, me feel so way yeah, better. It's basically, like two and a half years, you've been self-esteem. Yeah, it's weird. It, 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 even my whole life, there's like a, I, I renounce everything pre it, it personally as well. So it's just I feel it feels longer because it's the only bit of my life I'm uh, able to remember without. The trauma blockage. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm joking, but also, no, I know. I'm not but also, <laughs> but also, it's it's a hard industry. Yes, and it, and and it was harder when I was doing something I wasn't as sort of in charge of and as passionate about. And and yeah, I'm having the best time. And it's so good. It's worked a bit this time. Like I feel like my whole life I've been like, hello, I'm talented. Hello, give me an give me an opportunity. I've got, I'm I'm a really sturdy horse that can do loads of jobs. <laughs> And now they're you're finally, a good girl, you're a good yeah, girl. I am big, yeah. big clomping horse that can do this really well. And finally getting the opportunity to is great. But, you know, my wash basket is overflowing and it's really stressing me out. Okay. Okay. Well, look, do you want to pop around and do the laundry? I don't know. I don't really know what you're asking me here. But, <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure I'll help. I mean, self-esteem was really stressed and I wanted to, I was, I was pleased that you came on my podcast and now I'm, now I'm here. I don't know what's going on. Um, so... <laughs> So you you grew up in Rotherham? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I read that your dad is in steelworks? <laughs> yeah. And so... your mum's a secretary. It's really weird what you find about. So whenever people do the podcast, I'm always massively flattered that they make the time to come on. And I think it's really important that you like read articles about them and that you do a bit of research. Mm-hmm. And it's always quite interesting the things that pop mm-hmm. up on mm-hmm. Wikipedia. I'm like, oh, yeah. my mum does this. Her They've does really this. decided to run with that. That was <laughs> one newspaper that won't be named really loves to hammer home the fact that I'm not from a super rich background. Right, okay. <laughs> and that's their arc every time they write about right, okay. me. But yeah, my dad, he he worked in, he was in the uh, health and safety department. He's retired now. Mm-hmm. He was a prog uh, keyboard player though when he met oh, my cool. mom. Oh, so, yeah, He's really amazing at like horrible prog music. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, if, if that's what people are into. Well, he's into it. They, <laughs> not, none of the him. rest of us are. And he, he goes up into the loft where he's got like quite a few synths and stuff and puts his <laughs> headphones on and just goes and goes. It's amazing. He's like, uh, people ask like, where, is it, where have I got it from? And I'm like, not my dad, because he doesn't need to be uh, seen. <laughs> it's just right. for him kind of thing. Whereas I have had to make a big song and dance about it all the time. Listen, yeah. you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> Why do we do this? For me, probably because I didn't have enough friends at school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm, actually, yeah. I'm desperately sort of going, if you all laugh at me, it kind of means mm. that I'm 
I'm fun. not lonely whilst the laughter's ringing. Exactly. How can I feel sad if I've written a joke and you've all laughed? Um, so were you, was it quite a musical household then? Yeah, even though they're very, everyone's very shy. But my dad, yeah, my dad was this keyboard, um, crazy keyboard man and get to play the guitar. And my mum played the violin, but she would sort of be very coy about it but she was quite good um oh, wow. and there was a lot of music like carpenters beach boys beatles like all yeah. that sort of thing like fun for me um was to put a record on and like dance around mm. it, you know in the ye olden times before phones before you could ask alexa to do something i know yeah so did it feel like when you were growing up that like music was an option for a job Good question. Uh, yeah, everything was really possible. But also it wasn't like music was... I would do anything. Mm-hmm. I played cricket really well. Could have been a cricketer. Right. <laughs> I, um, like, I played tennis. I did painting. I did amdram. I did dancing. I did any... I just wanted to be involved in anything, whether or not it was, like, fun or not. Uh, that came later. Just being there was the, like, MO for me. Which... Was that because you were, like... So, so I'm kind of similar. I did lots of different things. And sporty, and then amdrammy stuff, and it was because I was like consistently trying to like find my people. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, I'll play five aside. Yeah, sure. I see now that that must have been what it right. was. But um, the thing that stuck was music, I suppose. And I always like I was like writing songs when I was really like ten or something, and and would get the girls from around the corner to come around and sing them and do dance routines. And I like ha- and I you know I was bullying women into singing and dancing with me, <laughs> which is what I do now for a living. <laughs> but I pay them, so that's fine. Um, but yeah, it. Job-wise, yeah. My parents were really... They never made out I couldn't do anything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Which, which was amazing. But they also weren't pushy, so I used to be like... If I saw, like, Sylvia Young on the TV or anything, I'd be like, God damn, why don't I live in London? Or, <laughs> I, like, I used to really curse that they we didn't live in London because I could would have had access to all these things, which is funny now because, obviously... Going to Sylvia doesn't necessarily mean you have a career or whatever. No. And it is cool that I, uh, you know, I'm here now in the way that I am. But yeah, they never made out it wouldn't be possible. The, and my school didn't either, really. But, you know, if anything, my advice is it isn't really possible. And it does take ages and it's really hard work. And how much you work versus what you make, is, the discrepancy is so shit. But I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I'm doing it. What were you like at school? We just... Uh, I think because Friends was such a big thing, Phoebe was like a gateway oh, really? to understand me. Now, I don't particularly identify with Phoebe or feel like I am, but I was a weird blonde girl with a guitar who right. I guess was quote-unquote okay. And um, <laughs> people could understand me in that manner. So I wasn't... I was quite like popular but also weird and... Um, Would you have been like playing in like school shows and yes. things like that, performing? Yeah, but that I was lucky because my school it wasn't lame to be in shows. It was actually quite cool. Like, oh, it was cool. a thing to do. And my yeah, it was. I had, I was very emotional, obviously, and that was the worst bit. But everything else was pretty good, really. I had a good time, and it was really um, busy. And 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 I did a lot of things and had a lot of chances to do things because the school the, the music teacher specifically and the drama teacher were just like good people that mm. like yeah cultivated that in, in you still kids. in touch with either of them yeah the music teacher I am that's I, really like nice. he's really why I'm still going you know oh, in, that, in many ways he, he must he's be amazing. so proud of you yeah it's so nice because when you think about it now now I'll do the bare minimum <laughs> I like clock out ASAP but they used to stay and stick around and make sure we did all these cool things and they you know, they weren't getting paid for that. It was amazing, really. I mean, you say you're clocking out ASAP. I feel like you've put in the years. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not, not today. Overnight. You're <laughs> I'm <right>. here all day. 
So how young were you when you got into the music mm. industry? Because to me, it feels like kind of the beginning parts of it, certainly in the sort of folk area mm-hmm. that you were in. I don't know why I'm assuming male, but I assume everything's very male. Uh-huh, and <laughs> like quite, like just hard. Yeah. Just like, yeah. just constantly knocking on doors. Yeah. Well, I was like 18. I wanted to get to drama school, obviously. Auditioned and get him. So I took a year out to train. Sure. <laughs> and in that year, I just um, started Slow Club, essentially. Mm-hmm. And we started touring. And we I always thought we were getting these opportunities because we were a cool band. But we, because it was just two of us. And I played the drums stood up at the front of the stage. We were really easy to like clear on and off. <laughs> so we got back-to-back support tours. I had a manager, got an agent, then got a label. and it all. But it was all like I see now, not to be too negative, but like it was marketed to me as like, we got you a tour of the Barflies. <laughs> and right. I was like, oh my God, my life's going to change. And of course it didn't and, yeah. and doesn't. And... What's it? Because I've done a lot of support as a stand-up and... It can be, it can be, the, the shows can be really great and really fun, but also there is sort of sometimes a feeling of like, you are the thing that is in between us <laughs> and, you know, Michael McIntyre. Yeah. You're the thing that is stopping us <laughs> from watching Michael yeah, McIntyre. Yeah, yeah. So it can be a bit of a slog. What's it like as a musician? Well, now I hate doing it, but back then I was like just so excited by it all. And yeah, everything I thought was cool was what I was being. Like I would go to like Tilly in the Wall shows and Bright Eyes and things like that. And I was obsessed with all that. And then I was it. To other people, I was the cool band. And mm. that got a lot of, um, they got a lot of work and, and, and devotion from me just because of my, how much I wanted to feel cool. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like if I had any ounce of self-respect or... Um, context I probably wouldn't have stuck around so long but I'm glad I did like it made me really I'm really good at winning a crowd over yeah and your live shows like you fucking sell it it's like it's not you know I've seen lots of musicians and you know and it's great people you know some people just stand and sing Uh but it's like a full show yeah lights like the whole deal like and it's on your Instagram or on I think I follow one of your musicians Instagrams as well people like put up like people love that it's a show yeah yeah. So has that come from that? From, yeah, completely. Yeah. You, you know, you do over 10 years in a band where you're encouraged to not look like you like it <laughs> or like not like that you're, you're too cool for yeah, it. Yeah, it was all very that. And that was yeah. that's fine. And that I'm not looking down on people who 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 prefer that sort of approach. But I was just like, all oh, this has been in time the whole time. Like, oh, just lights. I say this a lot, but like when I was a kid, like a conservatory, you know, like a patio. Yeah. That was a stage to my brain. If it, if you had like a proscenium of any kind or a playground or a line on the ground, I was like, that's the stage. And to, to spend so long not being able to use the stage to its full potential has killed me. Yeah. But, you know, there's arguments for both and I'm not being... <laughs> No, bit, totally, but I but, think it's what you feel, if you feel like you should be doing the other, yeah, then it must out, be quite yeah. hard. It's very bad for your mental health if, you, if yeah. you're trying, trying to sort of do something to the best of your ability that, that doesn't really represent you and you're not really getting paid much. That's the difference. Because I used to be like, you're an actress, you're an actress, you're an actress, this is what I do, just turn up to work. Mm. But, you know, when I've, I've had real jobs now and yeah. you kind of, you get treated a bit, you you looked after, you know, and I kind of wasn't. So it was just rough, but also had no idea in the moment. And, now and so I were you see, just, you know. were, you, were you doing support for lots of different people, just uh, going all yeah. over the country? Yeah. But it really was at the, at the start, like, cool. Of course, yeah, like, yeah, totally. And we would drive it, you know, 
poor Charles had to drive us in the Peugeot 206, you know, when we would, I got a pile and idle sinus from being stuck in the Oh my the God. Do you know one of those? They only, no, get, only truck it, drivers get them. Really? <laughs> yeah, but I got, I got two from driving in the 206, oh which my is, God. I haven't taught, you know, I've never come out about that, but here we are there on you your go. podcast. It's Thank exclusive. You. Um, <laughs> it's like the most. Just because fun. you were sitting so uncomfortably. Well, I used to have to sit in the back of the car with my legs up over the drum kick pit. drum. Yeah, so all the pressure was just on like my cockings, which is why <laughs> truck drivers from sitting down so for so long get this these weird things. It's like uh, having a yeah. <laughs> self-esteem forward slash truck driver. Yeah. I mean But when it see this is I look this is kind of why self-esteem is like it is, right? I was twenty three, I think, when I, that happened. And I was mortified, deeply shameful, couldn't believe it. And now I'm like it's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's really funny. And now I celebrate everything disgusting or, or real about myself. And that makes me so happy that I'm no longer that, like, adult girl that's desperate to look cool or hot or... But that's, you know I, I mean? think, why so many people have connected with your music. Because mm. it is so unashamedly you mm. and real and not... Like, it's really warts and all. Like, yeah. you know... I, and it, that's But that's fucking great. Like that yeah. as as a stand up, I feel like like that's what comics do when they're really being their best, and that they're like really getting to the truth of mm. something. I feel so set much safer doing that, and like mm. protected by just being open. Because I yeah, my twenties were like trying to hide, uh, trying to be perfect, trying mm-hmm. to be that you know the the manic drip pixie French yeah, dream girl, bitch yeah. thing it was like my <laughs> life everyone I went out with dumped me for French women not that, not that I'm anti-French people uh, that's another exclusive I just <laughs> oh no oh no cancelled um, but yeah I and and now celebrating that I am absolutely not that yeah is I've I've made it my job and therefore it it's uh yeah, I, it's just so, soothing all the day, all the time. I'm soothed by being allowed to just be exactly me. And do you find that, um, like, there must be young women that are that are so into you? You know, I feel like if I There's was, <laughs> but I feel like you know, I love. I, like I, I said to you as soon as you sat down like we've met briefly mm-hmm. years ago and I was like I really have to tell you that I really love the <laughs> love album that. like I'm listening to it all the time like I'm actually like I'm I'm really thrilled that you did the show um, and I but you know I think you know I'm 36 now so when I love a musician I'm like oh I love that person I've bought tickets to their show brilliant yeah. but I think if I was like 16 I'd yeah. be like I need to go to seven shows <laughs> yeah, and I need her that. to notice me <laughs> I need her to see her me in the crowd so that she knows that I'm there like that yeah, would have been yeah. and are you getting that not so well no because my fan base is not that young like right, it's fun okay. when there are like young women because I'm like that's sure. cool because I'd have loved to have heard someone saying what I'm saying yeah absolutely but there's a lot I, my favourite is like women in their 30s who haven't had kids or got married are yeah. like my congregation <laughs> yeah right and, and I see you know it does I say this a lot as well like it's all for me like I'm, I made it all for myself and all to give myself freedom from everything that fucking does my nutting mm-hmm. about my whole existence so far and then the bonus is that it really moves or connects with people mm-hmm. and I'm so glad and I feel less alone for it and when I I just people, when people say it's radical I'm like oh it's really sad that I'm radical by just like not being I don't know glossy and or just saying what I'm saying which isn't that amazing really I don't think it's just it's just my lived experience to music well, I think, but I think it's experiences that people 
have had or have had similar things obviously you know like wouldn't be directly related to like the music industry potentially but like you know in their own fields but I think like someone standing on a stage and owning it and you know performing it in such a way hopefully the things you aren't saying are radical because that does sort of really leave us quite hopeless for women (laughs) but I think people feel aligned to that I think seeing someone like you on stage is really I remember the first time I saw sort of queer comedians being like oh my god that woman yeah she's like me (laughs) and it's really validating yeah it is and that's what Uh, art should be yeah yeah. totally or could be who were you inspired by when you were like first getting into music um I'd love to know truly who it was because like on the surface it was all these like Americana bands all those like Mm. uh, Tilly and the Wall they were just like three women dressed like maniacs one of them was tap dancing and I was like oh (laughs) brilliant you know uh, it's stuff like that but then when I was a kid, I was obsessed with Alanis Morissette. Like Same. every <laughs> every single sure. thing sure. ever. Yeah. I could sing every word, even though it's weird that I felt so, such an affinity and then like lived out what Jagged Little Pills about in my twenties right. without yeah. realizing. I was like, oh damn it, it was there all along. Um, and I love, but then I really loved like Fuji's and Lauren Hill and mm-hmm. and and rap. <laughs> I went to like rap even though it was like year seven, um, and so yeah, just. I've always just obsessed over music and it sort of gets me like certain things will make me elevated and like high and excited mm. and and as uh, and my imagination is so well was like so broad and wide and wild like soundtracking it was how I hung out like <laughs> that was really stuff I didn't really I didn't knock about with many people I spent a lot of time alone as a kid and yeah when you say soundtracking it do you mean like like soundtracking your life. Well, I'd have like a story in my mind. Yeah, okay. See, this is what my dad and my brother played cricket, and so all my all my weekends would be at the cricket ground, like all day. Cricket's wow. a long game. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, they even stop for tea, don't yeah. they? Yeah, and I and it was this in Anston, where I'm from. Um, cricket ground, and then just behind it is this big woods called Anston Stones, and it's like just a scummy wood, really. But right, okay. as a kid, I was like. I would just put my Walkman on and go around there and I'd have all these wild stories and mm. making things up and characters. And I was obsessed with the Queen's Nose. Can you remember that? Yeah, well, they rubbed yeah, it and then yeah, something happened. Yeah, 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 so I felt like her was harm- uh, Harmony, yeah. Um, yeah, I just imagined this, like, cool life where I was this, like, cool person, scamp. I always had a little dog with me called Scruffy. <laughs> I couldn't even remember a lot of... No, but I think that's no, but I think that's really it's interesting because I've interviewed a lot of creative people on the podcast, and I think it's interesting. Like loads of us as kids or as sort of young adults, sort of lived in a slightly disjointed world that was somewhere else because it was like I'm going to go here for a bit. It's safe here. Yeah, but what what I imagined was this. I was always like. There was these girls I was friends with called Madeline and Amy, and I made them. There was a perimeter of, of the playground drawn on like a line. Mm-hmm. One of the games was they were inside it and they were the princesses, and me and this dog Scruffy were on the outside, and we were like homeless uh, asking for food and money. That was the game. I made them play. So go figure. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> Listening to Jack a Little Phil, <laughs> making so much sense. Yeah. Oh, did you ever do that thing where you would sit in a car? And look out the window and pretend you're in the music video. Yeah, and be like, yeah. oh, that's my life. Yeah, yeah. That, that was the easier way to that's describe the what I've just said. No, not at all, not at all. I'm really pleased that I got a little insight on Scruffy. Uh-huh. I'm just pleased that I knew. Well, I've always, you know, if I ever am successful enough to have a dog, 
Because it does need, you need to be so successful that you can pay someone to sort to that shit out. To look after your dog, yeah. <laughs> I do think about calling it Scruffy and that'll be soon. Well, listen, when I come to the show at Brighton Dome next year, I'll, I'm going to have a sign okay. saying this oh, is for Scruffy. I hope so. <laughs> I even told that one. But it's funny when I think about my like sexuality and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, there were signs. I I demanded that I was a boy who was on the outside of sure. the castle and like in love with the two princesses. That when, makes sense. Because I've read about you. It sort of states online that you came out publicly in 2003. Oh, I love that. That one is yeah. so funny. Came out as bisexual. Openly. I'm openly, openly bisexual. Yeah. 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 Were you? Because I've read, I read an article from a couple of years ago, maybe or maybe it was when Prioritized Pleasure comes out, came out rather, and you said that you, when you came out, I'm trying to try and get the, the wording right, it was something like you were sick of like pretending to be the straight girl behind a microphone or something like that. When you were talking before about being in that sort of folky place where you uh-huh. were going around the country, was it sort of very regimented? Like I know you said you like you you had to, like you weren't having fun, mm. but was it very regimented? Like sort of how you dressed or how yeah. you appeared? Yeah, yeah. Everything. I mean, that's another reason why I like I am today. Like, if I was hotter and and semped, you know, sexy and straight, <laughs> it felt like that would help. You know, us break. No one made that put that on me particularly, but yeah, just to be. And I always struggled. I never knew how to feel or what to do. And and I, you know, I used to be excited to sing the songs that other people wrote that were about women. So I got to say, right. I was like, a little, were you were you aware of your sexuality before you no, came out publicly? Not well. <laughs> the big the the, the big the coming press, out the press launch. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. It's never been like a massive deal. I just I had I mainly dated men, and then I had a really awful, you know classic 2012 nasty bastard like ruined my life relationship and then it and started therapy and started like having any self-awareness at all and then it was there I was like oh I did used to love it when my friend would fall asleep on my shoulder after netball and yeah and then started you know dating more openly and like not bothering who what gender it was and uh yeah never 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 look back has that been something that because it feels like Maybe I'm wrong here, but I feel like there's a real queer audience for self-esteem yeah. as well. I think like it makes sense, but also even if, if even if you're not, I mean, we debate what queer means. Over yeah, and over, sure. But like, I think just for me as well, they're not really linked. But my life was so um, up until coming out and and being, you know, uh, uh, having a partner that wasn't a man f- was really like helpful for me to understand everything about who I am now mm-hmm. um, and so much of it before and you know from childhood to then was about the shape-shifting and the pleasing of men and and survival and I, I bought into it I used to you know a night out was only about getting off with someone all those right. sort of things like tours was like if I had a boyfriend people treated me better or I Did you really feel that? It felt like that all the time in my twenties, yeah. Um, but then also um, in a manipulate, I would, I could be really good at getting what things we might need, or I'd flirt to get us into things or whatever, and like gross, you know. But I mean, but understandable because yeah. I think it's what society tells us is where our, our 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 worth is. Yeah, and so like regardless of what gender I'm with, I've now got such a massive amount of I just don't fucking do that. Like, and my, mm. and my music is about not compromising or changing and knowing that you don't owe 
anybody a single thing uh, whether you're queer or not i think like some women need to hear that sometimes but like a hundred percent and i think that that is the thing i think it's about being seen like we were talking about earlier like being seen or being heard and i think like you know those you know i've often had like similar feelings where i've been like like I know where when TV producers have been like like less so now because I think the world's shifted but certainly like five or six years ago people being like we just don't know where to put her and I was like I, I know that you're saying she's a lesbian we don't know what to do with her because she's not gonna look pretty on a panel show and I remember doing panel shows and I remember an, an executive producer saying to me do you have to wear a suit and I was like well I have to be me yeah you know crazy, that's what I wear and that's very recently it was like that oh you know I mean that's that's within like five years yeah yeah but even that sometimes i look really femme and i, I did buscocks and i walked out no mm. one knew, knows who i am i was like a backup i wasn't like booked so you know i was very aware that i sat down and no one laughed at anything i said oh. until quite a lot later and then i was like oh just to the untrained eye i'm just like a blonde woman and that doesn't really make me likable do you know <laughs> Really? Yeah, okay. I really forgot because I'm really charmed in my life that I'm, a, you know, I perform to people who, if you're there, it's because you like me. Or... Yeah, yeah, that was that was crazy. I mean, that's different to what you were saying, but no, just like no, but it does make being, sense. Being, it, being a woman at all is it, they'll find some way to, unless you are exactly a certain amount of things that make sense for certain audiences. Yeah, it's tough and weird. And do you find that now, like, so you finished with slow club did that you sort of like just dissolved that i guess yeah it, i mean i got a theater commission and i was a bit like brilliant oh, cool. right you know, like that felt like a way out and like yeah. a legitimate way to and, and like before, writing music for yeah and i yeah. was like going to write it as well and be cool. in it and all this kind of stuff and um i was a bit like i'm gonna focus on this and it was really hard i did a real yeah. coward's exit i was like i'm gonna do this and we never did it again but when other the other people were very happy doing what they were doing and I was so unbelievably unhappy that it just had to be done. And unfortunately, like I think often again as women, we'll often sort of put ourselves out for as long as possible, whereas you sort of go, I feel like my male counterparts would have walked away from this three years ago. Exactly. So. And what yeah, the tools I have now I would I think communicate clearly. Yep. And, you know, get out and because I wasn't happy mm-hmm. and creatively yeah. unbelievably stifled like yeah. it was just unbearable and my mental health was through the toilet every day because I what I now see I can have a stupid idea for a, sh- a t-shirt and we make it and I'm like oh that gives me joy yeah. <laughs> like it was as simple as that and like do you have to do it like what is being an artist or whatever and I really think I have to right and yeah. like to to have uh, have uh boundaries on that for so long made my emotional well-being take a while to figure out yeah and i think that like makes total sense and i think like you know if you love it you gotta do it you gotta do the thing and like you know and i think that is anything from like you know us doing it like we're really lucky that it's our jobs but also Mm. like you know people doing stuff for pleasure or making movies or just being in a band or doing art or just going Mm. to a pottery class once a week whatever that thing is Mm -hmm. like it's so important that you you scratch that creative itch because I think, you know, otherwise like that's where bitterness sets oh in, God, yeah, and that that'll kill you. It'll kill you. Uh, they made a documentary about us, and and it you know, it's really beautiful and really sad, and I, and I think it's cool that it's not just a tour doc. But mm-hmm. you can see I am like losing my mind because I want to do all these things, and everyone else is pretty happy with what they're doing. And they just keep putting, and you just kept 
getting put in the box we're on stage and pretty much but like no no one's fault you know and i really never clearly said what was wrong with me we never had any conversations like now i understand saying exactly what i mean is like that's my drug i'm like i'm so i'm like uh, like i just can't get higher than like saying what i mean (laughs) yeah because i've never done it i've never done it that's why songs are exciting because they i can do it without yeah i can say what i mean and it's vague enough that you don't know if it's about you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted and it's been, you. No, I was just going to agree that it's being mm. understood, isn't it? Mm. Being mm. understood is such a powerful thing of like, mm. oh, you get me. It's like, mm. you know, those sort of, when you like have a new friend, for example, and I think like sometimes like making a new friend as an adult is quite yeah. like <laughs> stressful because it feels like you're 10 and you're going, yeah. would you like to be my friend? Um, but like, you know, when you really connect with someone and you're like, oh, that thing happened to, yeah, that happened to yeah, me too. The best, right? Oh my God, yeah. that's the best thing yeah. ever. When you're like, oh, have you felt like that? Yeah. Oh, me too. Yeah. I feel like that too. Isn't that funny? And that's like, I mean, that's like, like, you know, that's what I try and do with, with comedy. And like, I know that you definitely do it with your music. Mm-hmm. Is it like, you know, I feel like when a group, of, when an audience laugh, it's kind of a way of them going, me too. Yeah. I've noticed that thing. I felt that thing. I've Which experienced that human, thing. Right? Exactly. If you feel completely. I've just felt so alone for so long, and then I had this platform, and I wasn't saying really what I needed to, mm. and so I felt even more lonely and, and unheard. Because it was like I'm standing there. Why aren't I saying what I mean? Yeah. I'm standing there and sort of performing a version of me that everyone else wanted. You know. And so, how long after sort of you said you went into that the theatre job? How long after Slow Club did you go? Okay, now self esteem is mm. the thing. Like, how long before you were writing music and performing under that name? I'd done a few songs, and I vividly remember playing one of the songs to who was managing Slow Club, and them just not really saying anything. And that, you know, that's and then years later, I was like. Maybe that song was on shit. <laughs> just let me just let me just revisit it. And it wasn't. <laughs> it's just like so classic, isn't it? Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I, 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 the name self esteem happened. I got an Instagram account, which sounds so lame, but that I started posting just art I was making and things I was doing. I was painting. I moved to Margate to like make mm-hmm. my outgoings as low as possible yep. in terms of rent and stuff. And I, ju- I had a year of odd jobs I was doing, mm-hmm. and but yeah, started to think about it. Got a new manager and. It took ages. The plot, mm. the plot planning was so a good. I guess a year or something before I did anything. But working really hard, I used to like work like nine to five on it. Like yeah, loved it. That's right. how I finally I had a use for all this energy and adrenaline that I'm just like constantly. How do you got. go about writing? Like a, I know that's <laughs> it's such a like a dullard thing to ask someone that doesn't understand music. But is it like well like a lot? I, Will a line come to you? Will a melody come into yeah. your head? Like it's always a bit different with me. Sometimes sure. there is complete and utter full like like the chorus of I do this all the time has been in my head for about seven years. Really? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly how it appears is has been up here. Uh, so that that's one way of it happens. I do a lot of just writing on my phone and like yeah. those one liners are always like jumping off points. Yeah, and if you don't follow self esteem on Instagram, it's totally <laughs> worth it for lots of that insight. It's great. It'll just, just be like a random I'll be like there'll be like a notes page that you're like, Oh yeah, I thought that once. Yeah. <laughs> and like double tap. Sometimes like, so bleak. And then sometimes I've just found one the other day that I'd written and it just says in capital letters, I want Noki. <laughs> Fine. And that and sometimes you do want Noki. I do, I do. Sometimes that's what what I need. Um yeah, so that or Sometimes my producer will send me like a loop. He does a lot of film trailer stuff. So if they don't get used, he sends big dramatic loops of, oh, cool. of drums and stuff to me. And I, that was a springing off point. Um, sometimes I sit with a guitar, like a normal 
musician would, but I'm pretty shit at guitar. I always have been. I've not got any better in 20 years of playing. Do you play it live in the shows? I do even, yeah. I've played it live in all the slow club shows and never got any better or any more trustworthy that I will actually hit the thing. <laughs> I also can't drive. Like, I can't, and I can't use Ableton. Like, I am I am this, like, multi faceted amazing artist that's so clever and everyone says it but I'm like but I can't drive a car <laughs> do not trust me behind a wheel yeah and if my barcodes are absolute dog shit <laughs> but yeah I, I loads of different ways I just started thinking about the third album and, yeah because that must be yeah terrifying you know they're like difficult second album well it's definitely going to be a difficult third album for me <laughs> I mean but that you only get a difficult second album or third album mm. if you have an unbelievably I successful know. one yeah like I'm it's... making my piece with like Prioritised Pleasure was its own beast and that's cool and I want to make 20 albums you know what I mean so it's okay if the next one isn't but also there's going to be an audience that are like you know people aren't finding you yeah you know you've got a baseline audience and that's exciting in the studio I was like oh I could I could experiment more and I I have the bravery now to to do anything that's in in my head because because people are going to be there yeah (laughs) I don't like it but they're going to be there which has never been the case all my songwriting has been like I used to think there must be this there must be a, a formula to have a hit or something. And yeah, right. I used to think like all, you know, Ellie Golden and uh, Retour and all these people I'd look at and be like, I wish that was me. They must have access to these songwriters who have this formula. And then I, you know, I've been in with songwriters and been like, I don't know, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know anything much more than me. Probably know more guitar chords, but that's about it. And so, yeah, even that has been creating without thinking like there's something I don't know mm. is nice so yeah that's like liberating yeah really liberating and I just want to go big I want to go like Olympic opening ceremony epic vibes throw those curtains wide uh, listen <laughs> I know that your audience will love it I mean I'll be there absolutely with your dancers yeah. and you on the drums I'm and... always like one step away from you know in The Lion King when he's holding that <laughs> lion up someone holding rock. you yeah like that's what music needs to feel like to me it's just like a big open sky of oh yeah everything's gonna be fucking fine love that's what I want to make music like <laughs> but I get that God I have I have a playlist do this all the time is on it um, when I'm going to a gig ah, that like really gets mm. me like like you know oh, and it's that. like a whole range of like there's like call me owls on there like it's a <laughs> oh, no, real a good... <laughs> range of like like I want to dance with somebody um, so there's some queen on there oh, it's really yeah. like big yeah music but it's great because if i'm going to a gig and i don't quite feel like getting on yeah. stage it does the thing yeah i am it makes me want to, to show off yeah. yes yes <laughs> like, Go okay i'll show off give me a microphone <laughs> like, <laughs> you ever hear about the time yeah exactly <laughs> i had to listen to a song on the way to make me get on the stage tonight um you were saying before about like performing other people's songs where they were thinking about women or do you feel now like is that something that you're really aware of like when you're using like a gender in your songs is it like when you're writing a song is it specific to one person or is it like loads of experiences that you've read about or thought about or been told by a friend that compliments pleases i had to like do a lot of things and was repurposing feelings under the guise of other things because i was so terrified of getting nasty angry emails Mm -hmm. from people that didn't like what i was doing compliments (laughs) please itself seems first album which is also very very good uh but this time around again i'm just getting braver every time and I'd had very specific, like my major relationship had ended and then I was like, I had a, re- I, I, I had, a, <laughs> I went back out with a lad that was horrible, <laughs> like he's fine, but he's just an idiot. And right. Like that was a really useful summer of, um, 
oh, like reminding myself what it's why I am who I am now mm-hmm. and what not to um, be okay with. And but I make this joke in my shows, but it's like it's not linear. Nothing is linear, and healing isn't. And I think I'm very like I'm obsessed with like learning how to feel better and and love myself and accept and accept bad feeling and good feeling all the woo woo shit that mm-hmm. like you know unfortunately there is some in it even though it makes me feel quite icky to say <laughs> live laugh love is like oh but yeah. I'm like oh, some <laughs> in it um but he yeah that so yeah a lot of the that prioritized pleasure is sort of that and also my I can't like my ex-partner she's on every record and I just I just went in to the studio last week and I was like fuck's sake I've just started writing a song about you again <laughs> it's like eternal but they're like real loving ones are all about her and sad ones and then like all my anger my anger is at like treatment of me over the years mm-hmm. but then also luckily I just had this idiot boyfriend for a few months that really ignited that <laughs> so bad so, relationship yeah. great music he's going to be getting a call soon because I'm like <laughs> what are you doing this summer because <laughs> I've got an album to write and listen I'm forced I'm short so do a weekend I, away <laughs> say there's um there's a lyric on compliments please that says uh so i'm gonna get drunk and slag you off and that was about this actor that i was getting off with and then (laughs) years later i was talking like four years later three years later this song sexting you at the mental health talk it seems counterproductive that's also about them even though they're just dreadful (laughs) it's just like what the cameo is yeah it's kind of fun and you know but i feel like those But I have but life, you know. Yeah, yeah, I have relationships like that that like are like I'll come back to in my head and I'm like, and oh, here's another yeah, thing. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've grown a bit more, here's another thing yeah. you did to piss me off. Yeah, I love that though. I, again I get so excited when I when I realise something that I was so bothered about X amount of years yeah. ago that today I'm like, Oh don't, I'm not bothered about that. It's beautiful. Oh, it's, it's amazing. So liberating. I love that. Yeah. Oh my god. Totally. Or deciding you don't want to go to the party. <gasps> yeah, I, I mean, that's that the also day, what... Like, yeah, like... <laughs> that's you know. what prioritised pleasure is about. Course, yeah. They're always like, what does it mean? And I'm like, I know you want me to say dildos, but I, it's literally about not going to the party. <laughs> but just being like, I don't want to. Yeah. Oh my God, I could say it. I don't want to. Like, it's so good. It's a revelation. It really is. I was at... Um, I've, I've got a little girl and I was at soft play the other day and this like five-year-old walked past us with her mum and went, are we having fun now? And I thought oh. I've never related to anything oh, more. Oh yeah, is this is, <laughs> is this a good life? Are we are we having a good life? Is this a good life? I just don't know. Like I think I am. Is Surely nice? I am. Yeah, this is all the nice things life. are here that told me it would be. Yeah, but I I'm don't feel fine. anything. <laughs> yeah, am I sad? I don't know. It's so hard. Being a grown up's yeah, tough. That poor um, five year old's got a lifetime. Ahead yeah, of I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. This is it. <laughs> am I having fun? Um. I've got one more question. We ask absolutely everybody it who comes on the podcast. Now, we've got loads of listeners that listen across the globe, which is amazing, and people that are young, old, people that are allies, people that are newly out, people that have been out for 50 years. Someone emailed (laughs) in the other day. Um, And I I always ask sort of, uh, you know, it's sort of a a piece of advice for your younger self. And I guess I'm thinking about that version of Rebecca. Maybe the version of you in Slow Club, maybe like travelling around and feeling like, caged in but not realising that there was like a latch that you could get Mm, out of mm -hmm. if you could reach out to her or maybe someone that's in like you know maybe they're not a musician but in a similar situation somehow Mm -hmm. if you could reach out to them and give them a few words of encouragement what would you say oh my goodness I think 
the bar you set your own bar right i don't know if that i need to work on this a bit but like i was so addled by thinking i could be better or be more like something else and then things will change for me and everything changed when i just realized that i am exact what whatever i'm giving is is what i can give and it and someone will want it somewhere yeah it's like really badly put but like that's your power and your currency is exactly what you will create certainly as a creative yeah and when i stopped going why not me all the time and note it it was in the pandemic i was like i just i was painting and chilling and writing songs and i was like this is you know i am an artist full-time the world stopped and the only thing that stopped me doing is doing that full-time and mm-hmm. yeah i just realized oh i'm doing it like that's the dream that's the dream and I've, i'm living my dream not my dream wasn't to be like on the daily mail or yeah or right or whatever so yeah that's my advice is like whatever you are is your it's going to be the bar that you set and you and you don't have to worry about getting <laughs> over it because you are the bar <laughs> You you are the bar, but also you know you what I mean. I do. I think, I think what you mean. You sort of said it in a roundabout way. Is that like the thing? Your thing is your superpower. Yeah, like, and your currency, and the, what what will get you there. So like focusing on that and not what you're not is. Yes. Oh, I felt so much like that in comedy. I think like I've had to be really blinkered because God, I um I became you know there have been times like like at the Edinburgh Festival when you walk past other people's posters. And you think, oh my god, maybe I'm awful. Yeah, the or maybe I hate myself. Me. Yeah, um, and you know, and, and then all of a sudden you sort of fall into wanting someone else's dream. Yeah, you know, like, oh, that was never my thing. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I was told it should be because that's how you get to the next level. Yeah, yeah. but no, that's perfect advice, and I love it. <laughs> and I've loved this conversation so much, and I love the you album do. so much. Prioritize pleasure is so good, oh, and um, I mean, and 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 you're on tour, but it's like basically sold out. Um, no, there is. I'm some coming next to the Brighton year. show yeah. next year, and. You're doing Hammersmith Apollo and like, which is huge and is going to be amazing. And I just can't recommend self-esteem enough. So yeah. Oh, thank you. Get on it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's it. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was so great. Oh, you're amazing. I love that so much. That was the fantastic self-esteem, Rebecca Taylor. I just love her. Um, If you haven't listened to the album, you've got to. You've got to. You've got to. It's called Prioritize Pleasure. Um, and go and see her live I've got tickets to go to see her at Brighton Dome next year can't wait what a great conversation I'll see you next week bye bye